Boulderista is a podcast that celebrates the Boulder, Colorado lifestyle by highlighting local influencers and the inspiring impact they have on our community and celebrating the local traditions that make this the happiest place to live in the U.S. I am your host, Sherry Figueroa, and I invite you to explore what makes Boulder, Boulder. Today's guest got her start as a swimmer, qualifying for the 88 Olympic trials. After graduating from Yale University, she moved on to a professional triathlete career, eventually winning the 2004 Ironman Wisconsin, wearing a prototype she designed of the first ever running skirt, a skirt that launched a revolution in women's fitness clothing. Nicole DeBoom is the founder and CEO of Skirt Sports an athletic apparel brand designed to fit real women's bodies with the goal of helping them find strength, power, and happiness through running. Her nonprofit Running Start partners women with barriers to fitness with personal motivators and trains them for their first 5K. In her podcast, Run This World, DeBoom interviews visionaries, athletes, entrepreneurs, and all manner of experts in the average time it takes to run a 5K. Today, she sits on the other side of the table for an interview with the Boulderista. It is my honor to introduce Nicole DeBoom. Welcome, Nicole. Thanks, Sherry. This is going to be a blast. This is already so much fun. And I, I feel so connected with you, both being moms and entrepreneurs and... Um, I really am uh, grateful for this opportunity. Oh, my gosh. And to find out your kids go to school like three blocks away from where I live. I mean, the connections never cease. They never cease. I'm sure we'll find more throughout the podcast. Yeah, more and more. Definitely. I, I, listening to your podcast, I know quite a few of your guests as well, personally. So this is going to be fun. Well, there's a lot of, uh, you know, two degrees of separation in Boulder. It's a. That's it's right. not a massive town. It's a big enough town, but it's really a nice little small town. It is. It is a nice town. So um, you live here, but where did you come from? Yeah, I came from the great, dark, stormy, gloomy Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in Chicagoland. That's okay. what we call it when we grow up in the suburbs of Chicago. And um, I had a great little childhood. You want me to dig into that a sure, little bit? Sure, yeah. Yeah. Let's hear a little bit about that. Um, because I think, you know, it's important when we're digging into people's lives and trying to figure out what makes them tick. A lot of times what we did as kids inform what we do today, mm -hmm. doesn't it? That's true. Um, whether they're good or bad things. So uh, I, I grew up in Chicago. I pretty much played every sport there was. My parents threw me into all kinds of sports. I was a sporty little kid. I was basically a tomboy, mm -hmm. which is very funny because my company now is about helping women find happiness in their bodies through, like, feminine clothing. That's right. <laughs> Feeling pretty when you're running. Totally. Um, but I had an older sister, and I think this happens with parents. You would know because you have two. That when one find you find something for one kid, it's really nice if you can throw the other kid into the same thing, mm -hmm. right? Sure. We, so, we're doing that with gymnastics right now. Oh, yeah, because you don't want to be trying to run around to six different places at the same time. So um, so the sport that I ended up really gravitating to was swimming. Okay. My sister was a swimmer, too, and I swam as a kid. I was doing competitive swimming from basically age six. Wow. So that, you know, I mean, if I didn't like it or didn't have maybe a natural inclination for it, I'm sure I wouldn't have continued. But I did have a natural inclination for swimming. And uh, by the time I was in high school, I had already qualified for Olympic trials. That's amazing. So, yeah, it was it was quite a fast ride. 
um, and a huge learning curve. And it, it's fun to look back on those days because, you know, I was so young and I really didn't know what I was doing. I was just literally like feeling my body, you mm. know, like feeling the water and trusting my body and trusting the training. And I just sort of let it take me. That's that's so great. And how does that form a foundation for you for triathlete? Well, it's, you know, I think it's just that sports and I guess let's take it a level beyond that because it's not just sports. It's about having a healthy body. Mm. And for me, having a healthy body is a number of factors, one of which is fitness and movement. So maybe I could reframe that to saying having a strong body. Mm Um, became very important to me very young. And in fact, when I had graduated from college, I I was recruited to college. I swam uh, at Yale University. And when I got out of college, I I really didn't know what I wanted to do, which I think is very common with a lot of people who major in things like sociology, like I did. I major as well. I totally get it. Are you kidding? No. Oh my gosh, the connections, (laughs) you know. Yeah. So for me, it was like, the major for people who didn't know what they wanted to do. So we just picked something that was fine. Mm -hmm. Um, Funny now, because look at what we do for livings. I always thought I just (laughs) wanted to help people. I just wanted to work with people. So I thought maybe I should understand people in the way that they think. Do you? I, I, (laughs) I don't know. I'm still figuring it out. I don't know that I understand myself, but I feel like I understand people in general. You know, and I think that's one of the things that, is it's like a skill required as an interviewer is mm-hmm. to be able to be this sort of open funnel for other people to feel safe and comfortable. And I think you have accomplished that. Oh, thank you. So that's cool. Awesome. Um, so when I got out of college, I was pretty aimless. And I am a person who is a very goal-oriented person usually. I need to know that there's an objective out there that I'm trying to reach. Mm-hmm. And I am not someone who generally... Um, I think, I don't even know how to say it, but like I'm not, my general inclination is not towards like having depression or anxiety in my life. I've always been a pretty happy person. Mm-hmm. But after college, I started to experience some of the feelings that come when you don't have a purpose and probably started feeling a bit depressed. Mm-hmm. So I went to see a social worker. Oh, my wow. mom suggested that. And she said, Nicole. This is very normal. You know, when you don't feel like you have a strong purpose, when you wake up and you really don't know what you're going to do with your day, it's normal to feel this way. But I want to give you an exercise that might help you gain more clarity. And she said, I want you to go home and write down, just free flow write, all the times in your life when you have felt the most alive, when you have felt happiest. Mm. And I just started writing. I took it to heart. I started writing. And she said, just write and then sit with it and see what comes. Mm -hmm. And what bubbled up for me was that the theme for when I I did feel my best was when my body was fit and strong. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of created this mantra that I still carry with me. When my body is fit and strong, my mind is fitter and stronger too. What an amazing insight for such a young person. I really, honestly, I can't believe that I was able to do that at age 22. But it was, um, it's, it, those are the things that form us as we get older. So anytime I've reached those periods in life when I felt aimless and didn't know what I wanted to do, I, I can dig back and remember, you know what? Go for your workout. 
set a fitness goal. You know, do something for your body. Don't forget your health and your fitness. Because if you lose that, you're going to lose that other foundation. And and sure enough, it, it pretty much works every time. Mm. I want to ask you something personal, and you don't have to go into it if not. But I did listen to one of your podcast episodes, mm-hmm. and you talked about being in recovery, essentially. Um, how do you reconcile that with your mantra and that really fit lifestyle that you had oh i know yeah and you're talking about alcohol recovery yes absolutely so alcohol was a part of my journey also from when i was really young Mm. you know i'm not sure if it's cultural or genetic or both but we partied Mm. you know i partied hard starting in you know halfway through high school here i am reaching the olympic trials and starting to dabble in alcohol Mm. You know, what does this feel like? It, and, you know, it's really interesting because from the first drink, I just I knew that this was something that might not be good for me, but it allowed me it made me feel good in the moment. Mm-hmm. And it kind of allowed me a freedom and an ability to let loose from all those long hours of staring at the black line on the bottom of the pool, mm. you know. So was, I was very much a work incredibly hard play incredibly hard kind of girl and it is and you know for any addiction that we have they feel good at the time that you're doing them that's why we do them Mm -hmm. right sure and it's we know usually when things are somewhat Mm self-destructive we know but for whatever reason we can't stop or we don't want to stop or we justify why we can keep going. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I stopped drinking when I was 32. And I realized in my early 30s that I was still behaving like I was in college. I felt like in those early years, I could kind of justify this is what you do. You party, you let loose when you're in college. The swim team, they're the biggest partiers in the world, you know? I mean, athletes party hard. And I do think it's a result of that, like, hard work ethic. We take that all-in work ethic everywhere. Like, we're going to win gold medals in partying, totally. right? We're going to win gold medals doing other stuff, and then we're going to win it at partying, too. Mm-hmm. But when that behavior starts to carry over into your later years and there's more on the line, more to lose, um. I'm just glad I I woke up to it. Well, it's a testament, I think, to that same um, underlying uh, attitude that you said you have, which is a propensity for happiness and, um, you know, that mantra. So I think it it just shows how strong you were mentally. Well, it's kind of crazy because, you know, it definitely like abusing your body with drugs or alcohol or, you know, some of these other addictions that we have. It does not help your athletic performance. Mm -hmm. There is no way it helps, you know. So those of us who've been through this, I mean, you can look back and be like, gosh, could I have been a better athlete Mm. if I wasn't doing that? Maybe. But I don't know what looking back can really help me now, how that could help me now. So I'm just looking forward. So tell me a little bit about um, how you came to Boulder. And I want to hear this uh, incredible story about how you met your husband, too. Oh, yeah. Well, that's how I came to Boulder. Um, I actually, after figuring out that fitness needed to be a part of my life moving forward after college, I had moved back to Chicago after college. And um, then I was like, okay, 
well, I don't know what I want to do for a career, but I'm going to explore a new sport and I will figure out how to make money while I'm doing that. So I'm going to try the sport of triathlon. And the hub for triathlon in 1995 was San Diego. Okay. So I picked up and moved to San Diego. Good choice. It was amazing. I always thought, I actually thought I was like a surfer girl, even though I'd never surfed because I live, pretty much have lived in landlocked places my whole life. I did not learn to surf when I moved to San Diego, but I went there and I was like, this is going to be awesome. And um, I just started like trying to figure out triathlon and... So I planned to be there for a while. But what happened is that I ended up qualifying for this race. It, I was an age grouper, so I was just getting into triathlon. I wasn't a pro at the time. Um, and there is a race every year that's a world championship race for what they call short course racing. So I qualified in my age group. I was the last qualifier, 12th out of 12 in my age group to make this race. And so a few months after moving to San Diego, I boarded an airplane going to Cancun, Mexico, where the world championships were being held. And I remember sitting down on the plane and watching all these like gorgeous tanned athletes walk on the plane. It was sort of like must have been an itinerary that a lot of the U.S. athletes had. So a lot of Americans were getting on the plane to go to Cancun and and I was like, oh, my gosh, this sport is amazing. Look at all these people. I definitely, like, picked the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And then I saw these two guys walk on who looked somewhat similar, definitely looked like siblings. And, and I was like, that guy is the hottest guy on the plane, possibly the hottest guy I've ever seen. He must sit next to me. And in my head, I was like, you will sit next to me. <laughs> I'm like giving him the, you know, the I, I uh, thought my way into being here because uh, I willed it to happen is what I like to say. Right. He ended up coming to my row and the brother sat on the other side of the aisle and he sat right next to me. Oh, that's so sweet. It's so awesome. I, I, um, I knew I needed to be like careful. This guy was kind of quiet and had a little like bubble around him. But I couldn't help myself. So literally within five minutes, I was like, what's your name? Uh. Are you going to the race in Cancun? You know, and we and, and sure enough, his name was Tim DeBoom. Mm. You know, I did a lot of research about you before this podcast. And every single time you were mentioned, your husband was mentioned as well. And I'm just, you know, you're this female entrepreneur. Like, how do you feel about that? You know, um, he's obviously a really incredibly accomplished athlete, and we don't want to take anything from that. But how do you feel about um, being associated as his wife? Well, it's interesting. I think that used to be, maybe it still is, because you're reading articles that frame it that way. Tim's gotten a lot of press lately. Um, Let me back up. So... Tim ended up being a world champion triathlete. He won the Hawaii Ironman twice, right? That's amazing, yeah. And I never won the Hawaii Ironman. I won an Ironman mm-hmm. in Wisconsin. So normally I would be the badass of the family, but in my case, my husband is the you know won the biggest race ever twice. So I was sort of second fiddle, and I honestly I did um, struggle a little bit with that mm-hmm. because I was sort of along for the ride, but it was still important to me. Like, this was my career, too. And at that point, we were both racing professionally. You know, this was more years into our marriage. And and I think, honestly, that's what birthed skirt sports. I think I needed something for me, right? 
So if you fast forward, I think Tim has been happy to be in the background for many years. But what happened last year is that Tim got a really great accolade. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame for Iron Man. That's right. And so I was very happy to simply be Tim's wife in that setting and to recognize the wonderful things he did in our sport all those years ago. Okay, so when I met Tim on the airplane, he was based in Boulder. Okay. So he had he was already a pro. He was like a phenom. Kids don't come on the circuit like Tim DeBoom did back when he was 22 years old. And at the time, he was 24. So he had just come from getting 10th place at the Hawaii Ironman as a 24-year-old. Wow. And five weeks later on an airplane going to world champs. And I had... I had nothing going on. Like, I was trying to wait tables and, you know, living in a closet, basically. So I was open. And the fact that I met this guy at a time in my life when I could kind of do anything, I just, it felt very, um, there was a powerful draw to him. And I felt that this would be, like, the big love of my life. And I needed to go with it. So it was perfect timing. I just moved. I literally just moved six months later. That's wonderful. And then, what, six months later after that, you guys were married? Actually, I moved in with him three months after we met. Okay. And then a year later, we were married. Yeah. So it happened pretty quickly. Very fast. As things that are sort of destined and right yeah. tend to do, right? Absolutely. Move quickly. Yeah. You can't fight it. <laughs> There's a, well, you can, but <laughs> that's true. If you want to struggle more, yeah. So then, how did you sort of root into this community? I'm assuming it's through sports. Yes, absolutely. So I came to Boulder with Tim for the triathlon training, basically. So what was great about Boulder is it was at altitude. That was interesting, 5,000 feet, you know, like I came from sea level mm -hmm. and he came from Iowa. So he was from sea level too. So this was like a really cool training ground because it had flats, it had mountains, it had year round outdoor training minus a couple of weeks when it was extra super cold right. and it had sun. So yeah, I rooted in, um, I still had no idea what I wanted to do for a living. But I started to go back to my swimming roots, and I became a swim coach. Nice. Um, and then I was, gosh, I just, I was scrappy. I'm always scrappy. I'm still, I'm still scrappy, you know? I mean, I just would make, make things happen, make ends meet where we could. I got a coaching job in Longmont for five years. I was the assistant coach of a club team. Nice. Who, which has been an amazing experience. One of my old swimmers just texted me this morning. They're all, like, married and having kids now, whatever. But um, really really fun. And then I got jobs like master's coaching, doing stuff at every single one of the gyms and rec centers and opening doors and making connections everywhere I could. Yeah. And all those connections I made back then, they're still, I still have them. That's I right. see those people, you know, I mean, we interact and that's part of like really developing community. So let's fast forward and talk about skirt sports and what started that all. I love this story. So oh, that yeah. run that you took in Lyons. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, it's funny because when I first came to Boulder, we lived in, from apartment to apartment in Boulder and ended up with a place in Gun Barrel. Okay. So we've been all over the Boulder area. But then we bought our first home, and we bought it in Lyons, Colorado. I, it, was, it's, it was an idyllic town. It still is. It's mm -hmm. a great little town. It's in Boulder County. 10 minutes away, but it feels, because you lose cell reception on the way, 
you feel like you're going to like a mountain town, like a resort town That's or right. something. Um, so yes, this was December of 2003. We're living in Lyons and this was the off season. I was still, I hadn't yet stopped drinking. So like in the off season, and I wasn't vegan. So I would eat a lot of like burgers and drink beer in the off season. Like I thought, you know, was the way you were supposed to let loose, mm -hmm. right? From all my old swimming days. And um, so I had probably put on a couple pounds. I was feeling a little lethargic. It was just like, I knew I needed to do my little bit of fitness here and there. So when I started up again, it wouldn't be so bad, mm -hmm. right? So on one particular day, feeling a little less than excited to go for my run, I pulled on all my training clothes. It was like, men's size extra small black bad fitting clothing and I remember I had this beanie on that just like I had short hair and it just made my head look like I don't know it just it wasn't cute let's just say that mm -hmm. and um as I'm running down Main Street there is and was this restaurant called the Soda Fountain the Lion Soda mm -hmm. Fountain and they had these big picture windows and when I would run I would like kind of check myself out in the window sure. you know and then I would pretend I was like looking at what's in the window or something but really I was like huh I wonder how I look running today and I remember seeing my reflection I was like oh my god I look like a boy mm. this was like my worst nightmare growing up everyone always thought I looked like a boy and so I was paranoid about it and I was like I am so uninspired and then I remember thinking why can't I just feel pretty what's so wrong with feeling pretty and I kept running, like literally maybe five more minutes, and the word pretty started circling in my head. Mm. And I was thinking, pretty. If I just felt a little different on this training run, would I be more inspired to be out here? And something clicked. I ran home, cut my run short, and I wrote down the word pretty. And I just started taking notes, and I said, I want to make women's athletic wear that looks and feels good and fits my body. I wanna do what the Williams sisters were doing in tennis because mm -hmm. they were like crushing it and they had the best style and they didn't care what anybody thought. And I just said, I, and, and at the end of the day, I, as I started working on this idea and this project, it wouldn't leave my mind. Mm -hmm. You know when you get an idea and you're consumed by it and you just know in your heart something's gonna change and it's scary and you don't even know how to do it, but that's how I felt with this. And I realized like over the next month or so, I've got to I've got to narrow this down. I need to start with one thing. I don't know what the hell I'm doing to make women's fitness clothing. So let's start with one thing, not a whole big company. Sure. And so I focused on the thing that would most represent the feminine side of sport, which was a skirt for running. I love it. And the, the cool thing about it is it solved these two big problems out in the market. So it wasn't just like for look. It was you your options were running shorts that rode up and didn't fit your body well. And then you got this like thigh rub. Mm -hmm. So you'd spend your whole run pulling out your running shorts. Right. Or your other option was kind of bad spandex. Mm. Now both of those options are kind of cool and they've – They've improved the quality of fabrics and fit and stuff. Right. But at the time, it was like you're either going to show everything by wearing spandex that's kind of shows not just your body shape, but like your skin. Right. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. it's not good. Every imperfection. Totally. Yeah. Or you're going to be wearing shorts that don't fit you. Right. But you so you wore this prototype 
and you sort of debuted it, which I love yeah. this shining moment. I can just picture you, you know, having the spotlight on you and how proud you must have felt to just. Oh, absolutely. And did people just eat that up? I mean, what was the oh, response? Yeah. yeah. So this was like literally only nine months after that idea. I wore a prototype at the 2004 Ironman Wisconsin and ended up winning that race. I mean, you can't write a better script, right? No one had ever seen a skirt for running. They were like, what is she wearing? I don't know if I like it or I hate it, but I have to have it. And like, there's something exciting about it. And uh, yeah, those photos are iconic. You can't, you can't fight that. So I was very aware of doors opening. I still, I, that's one thing I, I try to focus on. Mm-hmm. You know, when we try really hard and doors keep closing and we just try harder and it's just, they keep closing, move on. Go to where the doors are opening. And at that time, the doors were really swinging wide open because the whole world of women's fitness was on the cusp of changing in a big way to giving women more of a voice and allowing them more freedom to be. Mm-hmm. So I feel very grateful that we were on the, on the edge of that wave. Um, I just love how you stepped right in and said, here I am. Yeah, I did. And it was, it's been an amazing ride. That was 15 years ago. And now you have wow. a full line. So you started with one skirt and you've got everything from yoga gear, running, uh-huh. I mean, everything. Um, so back to this um, identity you had as a triathlete and then shifting it into becoming a entrepreneur and then a mom. Talk about this um, sort of shift in perspective that you, you know, had to take. I love this. Um because we all go through changes in our lives and we all handle them differently at each time. And I think I was really lucky. You know, I've watched a lot of professional athletes try to make the transition out of sport into something else. Mm -hmm. And when you're trying and you're seeking and looking for a new passion, it almost never comes. And you end up just like on this downside of the bell curve and it's painful. And um, mine just happened. I I was in the prime of my athletic career when I stopped racing because my passion had changed. I remember being at an expo in Chicago at the Chicago Triathlon, a race I'd been, I think, second place three times in a row. Like it was it was a place where I always performed. Mm. But in 2005, after I had started my company a few months after starting Skirt Sports, I did the whole expo, standing on my feet for two or three days, talking to people, slinging skirts, selling all kinds of stuff. And by the time the race came, I was so tired. It was the very first race in my entire career where I was out of the money. I was shuffling in at 12th place, and I knew I was done. Mm-hmm. And I remember after the race, I took my shoes, and I left them in the transition and walked on. It was over. Wow. And so there it was. It was fine. I took that identity I had as a professional athlete that I had worked so hard to get, and it shifted overnight, and I became the skirt. (laughs) Not kidding. (laughs) So it was natural. It was. When you follow your passion that way, it doesn't feel like a hard transition. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Born of this company is a wonderful nonprofit that you have. Can you speak to that? Yeah. Okay. So Running Start actually came back in the financial, difficult financial years of like 2009, 2010. Um, We were thinking about a a program that we might be able to offer that was more of like a cause marketing program at the time. And this was through Skirt Sports. So we decided that 
we already had a race series we were putting on, which was called the Skirt Chaser 5K, which in retrospect is like a very funny way to have women enter the world of running because <laughs> the women would start first and the guys would get start three minutes later. Okay. So it was like this kind of flirty, fun take on running a 5K and whatever. But it could be now we don't have the race anymore, thank God, because the climate of sort of women's empowerment, it just it needed to go away mm. like it had its little lifespan sure. but you could see where my work hard play hard mentality was like totally. still in effect when i started that race series but um so we had this race series we had all these races and outside companies asking us for sponsorship and i was like why would i give you five hundred dollars to put my logo on your website or on a t-shirt like that's not going to help me mm. but maybe i would give you five hundred dollars to get 10 women a free entry to run their first 5k mm. that would be interesting to me so we started thinking about this and then we were like well we have the race series why don't we just do this and at that time people were feeling very much affected by the financial cr crunch and mm -hmm. um so we thought the key to success for doing anything life-changing and the key to continue doing it is to have accountability so we thought we've got a community of women who know the power of running, who know the confidence, the courage, the strength, all the tools that it can give you. So why don't we ask them to volunteer their time, not money, but their time to help another woman who needs this. And so we opened up applications the first year. We got a couple hundred applications. We, we offered the program to 30 women. Wow. I mean, it was like, whoa, there's a demand for this. And so we said, this is going to be a program for people who have serious barriers. We thought it would be financial, but it turns out it was depression, um, sexual assault, abuse, loss of a child, like disease, very hard things. Mm -hmm. and, the, and what we found is that the common thread was that women were feeling stuck and they knew they wanted to make change, but they didn't know how to do it. Mm. So that's how Running Start started. Mm -hmm. And we have been doing it, gosh, we're in the 11th year. We turned it into a nonprofit three years ago. So it no longer lives under skirt sports. It can, we fundraise, we do all our own stuff. And so the women that we take this year, we're gonna take 100 women nice. from South Denver up to Fort Collins, pair them with motivators, and they'll be graduating at a race in July in um, Adams County. It's called the I Can 5K. It's created for us. So really cool. That's lovely. And what I love about that too is um, how you are helping these women balance their already busy lives mm -hmm. and, you know, the actual barriers that they had before, you know, even deciding to do this um, with training. Because I think if you really want to run, my experience um, with runners is that if you have to commit, and it's a huge commitment. And so this program actually offers a way to reconcile that for people, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think the reason we set it up as 12 weeks, because some people do eight-week beginner training programs, is I know as an athlete, you have to go through the first low period, push through it, and keep going to see that it will get better. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people quit a few weeks into a program because that's when it gets hard mm -hmm. and mentally hard. And that's when they, they need the, you know, the hand-holding and the person who's got their back to help remind them that it will get better. I promise, stick with it a few more weeks. 
then they get over the hurdle and the training actually starts to kick in. So yeah, it's a very uh, transformative process if people really give themselves to it. And you have other ways of supporting people as well, um, Facebook groups, and you have this wonderful hashtag, hashtag women who move. Yes, totally. Well, we're a very inclusive brand. Like my big thing is I don't want to turn anyone away from the power of fitness. And if they want to join our community, we invite them in. Mm. So yeah, we started this little hashtag women who move. And then we opened up a Facebook group called the women skirt sports, women who move group. And every month we'll do challenges of various sorts. Um, we do goal setting or we were writing love letters to ourselves this month. You know, it's just fun stuff. And it's all in a safe setting, a private and safe setting so that women can help encourage each other. Um, but there's also tools in there. There's free training programs. There's strength training videos. There's videos from experts, all kinds of cool stuff. So, you know, a lot of women the first barrier towards getting out the door is not just not having the knowledge on what to do. We want to try to break that barrier every way we can, whether it's through, you know, joining a group like this and realizing, oh, I can actually just start by walking to my mailbox. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's cool. I can do that. Or if it's providing clothing that fits their body, you know, whatever it is, we're, we're doing the best we can to help women be able to enjoy this transformative power of fitness. If you look at uh, Skirt Sports, their website, I love your models. You have every body type. Um, I recognize a lot of people from around town, actually, some of your models. But it's so beautiful to see this really you know, comprehensive depiction of a, an athletic woman because it's not just you know, the typical, what we see every day kind of in the media. So I just love that you did that, you know, with your, um, with your models. Oh yeah, for sure. We have a huge ambassador program. We have over a thousand women across the country, many in Colorado, because we have a big base here. Um, And we try to work with our ambassadors in our, in our photo shoots whenever we can. Um, You feel there's something really empowering. People are very nervous when they show up at shoots and And we say, don't worry, we're not going to use a photo that you don't like, Mm -hmm. you know, but embrace your body. Your body's beautiful. And I swear, everybody walks away glowing and they're like, my gosh, I should start a portfolio. (laughs) This is like my new job. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And it makes me happy to be able to bring that out in women. So I asked this question, everyone. Nat Geo named Boulder the happiest city in the United States in 2017. So coming full circle Why is that true for you? Why do you choose to live here? You know, Boulder has it all for me. You know, number one is the sun. Mm -hmm. Um, Number two is the people. You know, happiness is contagious. You can set it off with a smile and it can trickle down the street. Mm -hmm. And number three is the outdoors. I mean, I need that in my life. I need the vitamin D. That's where the sun comes in. I need the trails. I need the soft landings. I need the adventure. Without adventure in my life, um, I would go down a sad little rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. So I plan to stay in the mountains for as long as possible. And what neighborhood do you live in here in Boulder? We're in South Boulder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We uh, we actually had stints in North Boulder, Gun Barrel, Lions, North Boulder again, and South Boulder. What do you love about living in <laughs> South Boulder? What? 
It's funny. I used to think South Boulder was for old people and families. And then we moved there five years ago because we're old people and families. <laughs> like, we fit right in. Um, I don't know why I didn't look at South Boulder. But actually, my best friend, I'm one of those lucky people who's had the same best friend since kindergarten Aww. in Chicago. She lives here now. Okay. So she moved to Boulder with her family. Nice. And she lived in South Boulder. And she said, I actually think you guys are going to like it. And I was like, no, we ride bikes. We have to be able to get out of town really easy. Well, when that wasn't important anymore... I, I opened my eyes, and what I love about South Boulder is it actually feels like a little mountain town because you're nestled up right against, like, NCAR and the Mesa Trail and the Flatirons right there, and it's just, I don't know, it has this cozy feel. I love it. It's got a great little shopping center, you know, and lots of just happy people walking around. So let's do a little plug here. Tell your your audience, our listeners, how they can get involved in Running Start and find Skirt Sports and just learn more about you. You know, um, you can find Skirt Sports at skirtsports.com. We are actually in the process of moving our warehouse of product inventory from California, where we've been shipping for years, back to our home base in Boulder. Nice. So we will be shipping out of Boulder. We'll be fully planted here again, which is really cool. Um, and you can also get on Facebook and join the Women Who Move group. I'd love that. I'm on there all the time helping motivate and moderate or whatever we need. Um, and Running Start is really cool. It's got its own website, running-start.org. Uh, you can also find me at nicoledeboom.com. You can find me on social, all the good stuff. And, of course, you know, you mentioned my podcast, Run This World. Super big passion project of mine as well. Thank you, Nicole for chatting with me today on the Boulderista podcast. I am inspired by your story and the bravery it took to let go of a successful career as a triathlete and a very strong identity to go for a dream that has ended up changing so many people's lives. Your support for women of all body types, activity levels, backgrounds, ages, it's so important, not only in the realm of health and fitness, but it also serves as a powerful source of empowerment in a time that is really challenging us all to dig deep. So thank you. Oh, my gosh. I think I need to record that and play it every morning when I wake up. <laughs> you are amazing. Thanks for all the work you do in this amazing community as well and for helping elevate all people. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Boulderista Podcast. For more info on today's episode, to nominate an influencer to be on the show, or to connect with me for your Boulder real estate needs, please visit us at www.theboulderista.com and on Facebook and Instagram at The Boulderista. While you're there, don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe. Until next time, stay happy, Boulder.